In Calastia, a caravan of silks, porcelain, and leathers trundles across the land. At the same time, a few wagons overloaded with potent spices for, from Shelzar make the treacherous climb through the Titan's home mountains to their delivery in Dromia, city of the Minotaurs. Meanwhile, poachers strut from the edges of the Horned Saw Forest, their kills freshly skinned and their live captures shrieking in their cages. In a drug den in the icy city of Kovu Kimru, users enjoy some Julko weed essence delivered from across the vast freezing ocean between Fenrilic and Gelsbad. So what do all these things have in common? That is the topic of today's chat. I am Jeremy Hochhalter, and today I'm going to tell you about House Asuras, one of the most powerful organizations on Skarn. So let's dive into it. So while you would might think that a, a trading empire is not all that powerful in a gaming universe, or at least a fantasy universe, um, those who play uh, cyberpunk might argue that is not the case. And I feel like House of Sirius is a great, a great example of fantasy empires built off of trade and not nobility and and kingdoms so today the trading empire or while today the trading empire of house Osiris is vast and mighty its humble beginnings can be traced back to a small village in the western frontier of old veneer uh, more than more than a century before the divine war the patriarch of that village took that town's name for his family name and then built up a successful mercantile house that had trade routes across the western areas of Veneer. Unfortunately, the village of Surus was destroyed in a raid by Titan Spawn, um, yet the, the trading company had already spread beyond those borders and had a strong foothold beyond. By the time the Divine War raged across Gelspad, House Asuras was in a position to supply weapons, armor, and provisions, which they did with Augusto, to both sides. This gained the house a good deal of animosity, yet with no one else able to supply the armies with goods in the way that uh, the goods in the way and amounts that Asuras could, both sides continued to do trade with them, leading to House Asuras earning a vast fortune. In the years following the end of the war, the house continued to grow, becoming the largest trading house in Gelsbad. The Reeve, as a leader of, the, of House Asuras is known, Nasos Asuras, passed away in 74 AV, so about three-quarters of a century after the end of the Divine War. For the following year, Ferio Asuras ruled as Reeve, although he was cut down in a duel with a rival house. His younger brother, Solon Talos Asuras, commonly called Talos, was granted the mantle of Reeve, which he holds to this day. Now keep in mind the current date if you're playing the uh, straight from the book, is about 150 AV, so he is quite old, which we'll get to. So Talos, using the tactics and merchants, uh, merchant wisdom of former Reeves, also made trade agreements with both sides on, uh, during the Druid War, which gained more hatred for the house during the conflict, yet once again, there was little that either side could do if they wanted these goods and weapons and armor, as House Osiris now dominated trade on the continent. Excuse me. Meanwhile, the Reeve was keeping a close watch on Calastia and the military campaigns of King Verduck. In a fortuitous move, Talos moved the headquarters of House Osiris from Veneer to the pleasure city of Shelzar, making a good deal of money while moving, transporting Venerian nobles to Shelzar in the process, offering them protection from the Calastia incursion into Veneer. 
In the decades since, the power of House Osiris has only grown and rivals that of nations. Indeed, it is because of their might that Osiris was able to make their way into Termana, far to the south, and the caravans that spread out from that continent from Verduck's promise bear the crest of House Osiris. Now, one might think, with a city like Shelzar and the vast black market that exists there, that a merchant company such as House Osiris would suffer. It is rare that a trade or purchase in the city does not benefit the coffers of the house in some way. In fact, as the years have passed, the dealings of the house have expanded from provisions, arms and armory, and other everyday goods to include many illicit and straight-up illegal goods, trade in slaves, drugs, rare titan spawn, and more are now everyday occurrences for the house, as are secrets. Indeed, it is the secrets that Talos and other members of the house hold that keep them or that help them to maintain their powerful influence. Talos even sits on the ruling council in Shelzar, a powerful friend of the High Minister Fratrelli. If you want more information about uh, Shelzar, there is a previous episode of The Lore You Know entitled Shelzar. In fact, there are a couple because it is a vast city and has a lot of history. Go check those out. Um, they're pretty cool. So in Shelzar, in fact, all of Gelsbad, there's likely not a well-guarded private residence as that of the House Asuras compound in Shelzar. Let me bring up this map here because it really shows the kind of separation that House Asuras, the, the compound that they live in, has from the rest of the city. So this island down here uh, called Ismari, uh, located just off the southern coast of the city, is made up of, um, well, the compound on the island is made up of six mansions almost and almost two dozen smaller buildings, including greenhouses, barracks, stables, smithies, and servant housing. Some of the buildings are enclosed by bridges 20 to 30 feet from the ground floor, allowing those within to move between buildings in relative safety. All of the mansions are also connected by a series of underground tunnels, and in a junction of those tunnels, there is a spiral staircase that leads into the root of the island, far below the surrounding sea, to, where a, to a room where Talos and other house leaders may conduct their most private meetings. Now, while the room appears to be paneled in dark oak, behind, those, behind that wood are walls five foot thick made of iron. It is unbroken and without seams to mark the corner of the room. Corners of the room. An adamantine door nearly the size of one of the walls blocks the way into the Asuras vault upon which no lock or mechanism can be seen. Only those of Asuras blood can open the door which has been enchanted to obey their command. The Brunwind Craft Guild, located in Shelzar, constructed the vault and they guarantee it is absolutely impenetrable, though no thief has ever come even close to entering the tunnels that lead to the vault to test that statement. Now outside, surrounded by a 25-foot high wall, the compound has further... Um, sorry, my brain just turned off. Uh, the compound is further guarded by a wall of force that extends another 100 feet above the top of the wall. Within the wall, um, guards that are on the island called Crimson Legionnaires are constantly on watch. Uh, there are 500 Crimson Legionnaires on the island, and the house outfits all of them with their arms and armor, as well as paying their, uh, their bills. 
Um, it is all but impossible to walk the streets of Ismari, the island, without seeing the crimson cloak mercenaries. Within the walls, four sorcerers permanently reside. And while their life is one of luxury, they are not permitted to leave the compound while under Asura's employment. Each of them is required at the start of their employment to swear a blood oath using a magical crystal into which their memories of the time on when the compound are drawn. Now, if a sorcerer wishes to leave or end his employment, they're paid well, given their, their due, and then the crystal is shattered, forever erasing any memory of their time spent on the island. It is unknown why only sorcerers are hired for this position, though it is rumored that the house has distrust of wizards and other spellcasters. Now, this might stem from the Shelzar outlook on, on, on sorcerers. Uh, ten, in Shelzar, sorcerers tend to be a lot more welcome. Um, wizards aren't unwelcome, but they're kind of looked on with a little bit of distrust. So it could be the many years that the house has been set up here that Shelzari mentality has just kind of set in. Or it might be something that the the group, that the family itself has just always had. Who knows? Now, such security exists for good reason, as the compound is the nexus of the most powerful trading company on Skarn. Even, or sorry, events that transpired within, that transpire within the walls affect not only the merchant house and family, but the greater fortune of nations around the globe. Now, across those multiple continents of Skarn, Asuras has trading houses in every major city. In Shelzar, while the Asuras family compound is the core of the house, the general public interacts with the merchants in an opulent headquarters located in Old Town. In other cities, each house is run by a member of the vast family, of which there are many, which we'll get to later. Each house is operated differently according to local customs and law. And in smaller towns, members of the family may open trading houses attempting to make names for themselves and elevate their stature within the eyes of their company or sorry their family occasionally these startups can be maintained by hired representatives outside the family but they're always owned by members of house asuras so solon talos asuras commonly referred to as talos is now 101 years of age and he knows that he's coming to the end of his natural lifespan it has been said that he has his sorcerer prepared with rituals that will grant him unnatural life in the form of a lich. Whether his love of life and money will shape his will to become one of the dead has yet to be seen. However, he's also begun grooming replacements in the end of the event of his ultimate demise. Now, his grandnephew, Nasos II, is one such individual, and many expect him to be selected. It is due to young Nasos that um, the spearhead into the land of Termana has succeeded. Now, whether Nasos survives long enough to take his uncle's position, however, is in question, as there are those who covet the position and would like to see the boy dead. Another potential replacement for Talos is his cousin, Calarian, who um, currently manages the family's business in Mithril and has prospered very much. With his keen mind and record of success, along with his charming personality, it is thought likely that he will be the one that Talos chooses. However, young Neso reminds Talos of himself, smart, ruthless, and without a conscience. So it is 
up to the Reeve to choose his own replacement, and it is to be seen how that will all work out. It'll also be interesting to see if Talos shares the secrets of much of his success, of much of his success with his successor. When he was young, Talos loved magic, and even though he sought to become a spellcaster, he lacked the inherent skill to weave spells beyond the most rudimentary level. However, it was discovered that he's quite skilled with the use of magic items and artifacts. Now, in older editions, you had to be a magic user in order to use a magic item, unless you had some kind of feat or something that allowed you to do so. And so that's kind of where this story comes into play, where he had this ability and he has like a couple levels in, ma in a magic user class, but he isn't uh, an actual powerful uh, wizard or sorcerer. So it's this ability that led him to collect um, objects of power, which would be, and that, that, um, sorry, again, derailed, uh, that would bring a powerful orb of scrying into his possession. It's the use of this orb that helped Talos secure his family's empire as he spied upon competitors and even other family members, always remaining one step ahead of his opponents. Now, as he lives his last days, he lives in fear and paranoia, fretting over spending a moment without a sharp mind. A full-time alchemist has been hired and is ever by his side, supplying the Reeve with magical potions to enhance his clarity and senses. Now, while rumors of his potential lichdom may be true, Talos holds on to true life with an iron fist and seeks a way to retain it without resorting to undeath. So Talos' fourth wife, who's unnamed in the books, is currently pregnant with yet another scion of Asuras. The Reeve has 204 children and grandchildren, while his brother, Casus, has a direct line of 68 descendants. Nimia, Talos' sister, bore five sons and two daughters who gave her 43 grandchildren. Nimia refused to take her husband's name, and all of her descendants retained the Asuras family name. Uh, a an ongoing choice by the women of the Osiris family to never take their husband's name. While Talos's older brother, Barino, fathered no children before his death, the eldest brother of that generation, Ferio, who also perished, had a single son who fathered at least 22 more children, one of which is Naso II, named after his great-grandfather. Those, those who can tie their blood directly back to Talos uh, sorry, Talos's father, Niso, number 357. It is not uncommon for a stranger to arrive at some house of Asuras claiming to be a bastard child of Talos or some other descendant of the Asuras family. So what does that all add up to? Well, that is a lot of um, direct members running things within the family, within the Asuras um, business, but also... It's a great Game of Thrones type event for you to run as a DM. Um, if you want to have your players either be, uh, they could be guards within the, the house or they could even be members of the house, uh, direct family members that are vying to become the next Reeve or who are supporting each other. Um, it's a great option for that intrigue type of game if you were interested in that for your game um 
other plot hooks for plots uh, for House of Cerus, uh, assassination plots, whether you're on the defending side or the uh, offending side, are also good ones uh, if you're trying to take out members of the family or if you were hired to defend them against assassinations or maybe someone was assassinated and the, the group is hired on to investigate who might be the, the culprit. Um, also, heist plots are great. Uh, you can do an Ocean's Eleven style game where they're trying to break into that vault that's far below the surface of the compound in Shelzar. Um, even though no one has ever even gotten into the tunnels underneath the compound, it's a great option as a DM to run that kind of thing for your group. Uh, also, going back to the, the long-lost children of the, the house, of that, that vast family, um, long-lost children, whether it's somebody that's in the, uh, in the group, so one of your players could be one of the long-lost children, and needs protecting, or maybe they're hired on to become protectors of said children as those, um, as that child or, or multiple children attempt to find their place within the house and not be killed off. Again, we're getting into kind of some, some Game of Thrones action where, you know, somebody's trying to make a claim in the city and other family members might be like nope this is mine and i'm going to take you out so um adventurers might be hired on to protect them or might be hired on to take them out whatever your group enjoys so that is house asuris and we're gonna keep it with that for today's episode um in the future we'll go into some more of the secrets and societies on gelsbad and across the world and sooner or later, we'll delve into Termana, the, the large continent to the south. I hope you tune in in the future for live episodes. Uh, if you have questions, you're always free to chat in the, well, in the chat and let me know. Um, I'm Jeremy Hochalter. You can find me on Twitter at WHPubs, here every Thursday at 2.30 p.m. for Lore You Know at WH Publications on Twitch. You can catch the episodes later on YouTube, also WH Publications. Actually, you can search for Wanderers Haven Publications over there and follow along. Head over to whpublications.com. You can find a complete listing of all of my publications and uh, that are on DMs Guild and Drive Through RPG. I hope to see you soon. Have a great day. Bye.